Welcome back to the Frizz and the Grease podcast with your hosts, Prudo and D. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Frizz and the Grizz. Took a week off. Your boy D Frizzy Fizz was under the weather. Could not make it to the mic, but we're back. Thank you for joining us live Tuesday, January 30th. I had to figure out what day it was. Or next day on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you're listening on podcasts, look your boys up. Rate, subscribe, review, press all those buttons. But first, D, what's good? Happy, happy motherfucking Tuesday, man. It feels good to be back. Sorry for those that were waiting for us or listening to us or waiting for them to listen to us. Uh, definitely was under the weather, but I'm glad that Trudeau was able to be like, yo, man, let's 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 just do this next week. Let's 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 recap, especially when we had a hell of a division weekend. We got an incredible conference football weekend to go over, but I appreciate you, man. Yeah, your dumb ass is going to try to come to the mic coughing and spitting and puking all over the place. Yeah, so like I so I talk for a living. Like that's literally my job is to talk to clients and you know try to get them to yada yada. And I, like throughout the workday, I was like, dude, I can barely do this. Like in the middle of me talking, I got to mute my mic and like <laughs> come back. Like, hey, you still here? <laughs> it's like, man, if I was struggling through work right now, this is gonna be tough for me on Wednesday. And then Wednesday, I me on. I had to take off Tuesday, and then um, I ended up taking off Wednesday of last week. Because of it, I was like, this is miserable. Rough, but we're glad to have you back. And thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, lots of football. Obviously, we just got over the championship games for both the conferences, NFC, AFC. I thought both of them were interesting in their own regard. Different yep. stuff to dive into, talk about. Um, we're going to have a top five list. I don't know if you have one. I have one. I think it's a really good one. It's topical. It has sports in it, but it's a different twist. I like that. Um, and I did want to talk about something that's kind of stale at this point, but because we were off last week, it was, it was something I wanted to talk to on last week. But we get to do it was on it was Gerard Mayo, new head coach of the Patriots. Um, and we had, we had an exchange with Adam Houghton and got me looking and thinking about some stuff. But first, I have this incredible story that I've been holding on to. I was going to save it for the the closing takes, but I want to bring it up to you now because I okay. feel like it deserves more justice than being at the back end of the show. Um, dude, I ran into this article, the story about this Chinese marathon runner. My guy is 52 years old, China man named Uncle Chen is what he goes by. Okay. Sounds like a restaurant. <laughs> he ran a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. Yes. 52 years old, chain smoking cigarettes the entire <laughs> time. He went through two packs of cigarettes over the three and a half hours. Or sorry, one pack of cigarettes over three and a half hours. So he smoked twelve cigarettes in three hours running a marathon. He finished. Please, he finished with an eight-minute mile pace. <laughs> please tell me they were like Marlboros or like Newport one hundreds because that would be hilarious. I hope that he rolled them himself. Like that's <laughs> it. this is my guy Uncle Chen for the for the audience. I don't know if you can see. Oh it. man, he is just lighting up. Runner number <laughs> one one five eight. That is him. Yeah, look at him. Look good for a fifty-two year old that. The smoke cigarettes. It's all the cigarettes, man. I mean, he must be in good shape. If you can smoke a pack of cigarettes and run a mile, you must, a marathon, you must be in good shape still. So do you think he did that like intentionally or do you think he did that like because that's just how he is? Meaning, that's, go ahead. Like, do you think he like he smokes, he chain smokes, you know, like religiously when he's sitting at home or he's like, you know what? I'm fit. 
And I want to try to show people that I can smoke cigarettes while running a marathon. Probably both. So this is apparently this is not the first time Uncle Chen has chain smoked a whole marathon. Um, the the shit the the shitty thing about this is so this uh, for people who joined us got this Chinese guy who chain smoked a whole marathon smoking cigarettes. They disqualified him because he was smoking. Yeah, they found it. They said it was disrespectful or against the rules. If anything, I got you with that. If anything, my guy Uncle Chen. I feel like if you ran an eight-minute mile pace, smoking cigarettes the entire time, they should cut that down to seven minutes and give you bonus. It's definitely not like a performance-enhancing drug, so like that doesn't really make sense because it's like embarrassing for other people or disrespectful. That's terrible. Let the man smoke. Let the man run. Just don't run next to him because... Obviously, if you ain't trying to get that secondhand smoky smoky, don't, don't run next to him. I'm just depressed because I can't even run an eight minute mile for t- like two miles, which is normal. Yeah, you're right about that one. I'm pretty sure my pace right now, if I were to get on the treadmill, would be like a 12 minute mile. I'm Oof. pretty sure that it'd be rough. It's 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 hot out there on those streets. We gotta you gotta get you back in the gym, but shout out shout right. out to Uncle Chen. I just thought that was a hilarious story that I wanted to just throw at you to start the show. Do you have anything before we get into the? Oh uh, yeah, I had a question for you because yeah. it came up um, while I was driving the the little ones to school, and this is for people that are in the chat or if you guys want to respond to us on Facebook tomorrow. No plug. Um, if you had the choice, would you prefer for work? Would you prefer more PTO, like another two weeks PTO? Or a raise, and that raise would be like five k. Um, I'll take the raise. Really? I mean, I already have enough time off. Like that's I don't want to like flex. Like I get, I get, I get a good amount of time off already. So like, you know, what I did this year, and this happened. My my dumb company only lets me co- carry one week of PTO from one year to the other. Mm-hmm. The entire month of December, I worked three day work weeks because I had a burn time. So I'll take the five k, but I, okay. I could see I could see taking the two weeks off. Yeah, I was I was more on the the line of the PTO um, because like I mean money's money, right? Like five k over fifty two weeks is like twenty bucks, maybe like fifty bucks a check. You know what I'm saying? It's like really not that much. It's like an extra two weeks worth of PTO, like. That's dope because you could do what you just said where you can, you know, you get yeah. to December, November, it's the holidays. Like, all right, yeah, I'm going to work one day this week. All right, I'm going to work, you know, three days this week and you still get paid for it. So I, I was more on the lines of PTO, but like, I'm not, I'm not hating the, if you already got PTO, I'm not hating on the raise. If I didn't, if I had my life pre-kid life without the little one, then I might take the two weeks, but I can't do sure right now anyways. <laughs> well, you just send them to school still. Just because you got time off doesn't mean that you know they gotta have time off. Nah, motherfuckers, you still go to school. That's the life hack. All right, let's get in some some stuff. This is the topic. I just figured we should go off jump on this one, um, because yeah. it's like a more serious topic, anyways. So it, it's Gerard Mayo, new head coach of the Patriots. He was getting like killed by like conservative news and shit over the past two weeks saying, oh, he's woke and the New England Patriots are woke, hiring woke this. Well, you know how I feel about that word. Just word salad at this point. Um, and he, he made a comment at his press conference, basically that he didn't see color or he saw color, excuse me. Um, and I only read the little clip that I sent you and I actually went and found the the full quote because like I think any type of quote, it's important to have the full context of it. And the quote itself was super benign. Like the quote that was being paced around was, 
I see color because I can then recognize racism. I think it was something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Very yeah, very close. Um, and then I heard the full quote, and it was even more benign than that. And I think I think what he said was very insightful. And I just think it's worth hearing the full statement that Gerard Mayo said. And it made me think more highly of him after. Okay. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person, I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know, when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. But what I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. So it goes back to whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter, but it does matter so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. And I just thought it was very insightful and it's something that not people, like, I'm sure a lot of people consider this, but, you know, I can just say myself, I'm like a white man that's straight. Like, I don't have many problems. Like, I'm not, there's no target on my back. Mm-hmm. But everyone has different life experiences depending on, you know, whether people want to admit it's not like depending on your sexual orientation, whether you're a man or woman, color, your race, whatever, you're going to have a different life experience. And it's important to understand that those factors can influence how you see the world and how you have been shaped. And I think Gerard Mayo hit it on the head saying basically like it's important as a leader to view everyone as an individual and understand that their background might be different than yours and try to relate to them. And that was super benign, very insightful. And I just, it upsets me that something like that's twisted and turned into just like something nasty and just hate. It's the media. It'll, it'll never go the way that it's intended just because of the way that what gets more clicks, that full pair, that full paragraph that he explained, or just that little clip of, I see all colors, right? And I think he hit it on the head, especially when he said, in order for you to learn, you know, about someone or see what they're experiencing, like that's, that's it right there where it's like, you, you even said it yourself, like you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You can't group together people. So you have to treat them as an individual. And that's all he's saying. But, you know, the people that want to bring up, oh, he's woke because he's bringing up, you know, race or, or, or color in a football conference that has nothing to do with it. If I'm correct and I, I might be because I'm always wrong but I'm pretty sure Kraft had somebody ask the question in regards to this like somebody asked Kraft first Kraft responded and then Mayo had his response if I believe that may have been the way that the the conference was set up am I completely off I think I think what happened was someone asked Kraft about having the first black head because John Mayo was the first black head coach in Patriots history I think Kraft said something along the lines of like, oh, I don't see color in making these decisions. And then, yeah, Gerard, and, yeah go ahead. Well, no, you're fine. And I like, look, that, see, and that, this is the problem is that like that question to Kraft is a layup for no matter what somebody says, it's going to get scrutinized. Like when people ask someone like, what are you going to do for the Black Lives Matter movement? No matter what your answer is, you're wrong. Because it's either not going to be enough or you're doing too much. And it's like that type of question. And that's what the media does. That type of question just sets people up for for no success, no matter what. Because the way that Kraft says it, he's saying it. Look, I don't I don't I don't see color like I'm just I'm here to hire people like it really black, white or yellow. It doesn't matter. So the right person will hear that. 
But the wrong person would be like, oh, he don't see color. Like, hey, you know, that, hey, what about you, Mayo? Do you? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, I do. Like, in order for me to learn the people that I'm going to be working with, the people that I'm going to be drafting, the people that I'm going to be hiring as my staff, I need to understand their background. I need to understand their experiences and what they're going through, what they're going to do to get better so that I can be better, a better leader for them. And then all you're going to hear the clip is, oh, Mayo's talking about color and like, we're, you know, it's a football job. What yeah. are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. I thought an interesting part, and I, I will get off this soon. Um, we'll get into the games this weekend. But I thought interesting thing that to consider, and like, I'll admit, like when I was younger, I did, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't even think about this, but like as I grow and mature, I, you know, you expand your world worldview and you, you think about other things differently. Mm -hmm. But when you mentioned like handicapped or disabled people, right? As someone like you and me can relate on the same level here, we, both of us are full, fully able. We see a flight of stairs and we don't think two things of it. But yep. without putting ourselves in the perspective of someone that maybe might be handicapped, we then can see the obstacles. That's something that anyone can visualize. And I think having that perspective, you can also look look at other things like gender or sex, sexual orientation or race and see that the, there are similar things that you might not think of without putting yourself in their perspective. And I just thought it was very lightning. Um, I think Draw Mayo is a good dude. I'm wishing him the best. And I just I just think that the the first step, I don't know, the, the first public appearance, which is ridiculous that he received backlash for something for so benign. The media is always going to try to tear down someone, no matter what. Nick Sirianni was apparently the worst you know, head coach in the history of football because of how nervous he was when he was answering questions as a head coach for the first time. Right, like people are going to try to find something to tear down someone for an unnecessary reason because it's a better story when you can talk negatively about someone than when you can promote them. That's just how the you know the media is right now. Well, speaking oh. of tearing down someone, let's talk about Ravens Chiefs. <clears throat> maybe or maybe not. We'll see. We'll see this how this conversation goes. Tearing down might be Lamar Jackson. Mm. Um. I have a lot of thoughts on this game. Right. I'll let you take the first pass at this or stab at this. Initial thoughts. So, oh, my, 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 my. Your initial thoughts. Uh, my initial thoughts is Lamar dropped the ball. This was, and I had it two weeks ago. I said he has the most pressure on him to win in the playoffs because of the backlash that's going to happen if he loses. And we are seeing it. It's just, I don't think. I'm willing to say the game is 100% on his shoulders that they lost. But the highest scoring offense in the NFL put up 10 points. Granted, the defense played great, but their offense was uncharacteristic. They were very undisciplined. Coaching was not prepared. And I think a lot of that credit still goes to 15 and Reed on the other side. Because I don't know if I texted it to you, but I know I've said it out loud to someone, you know, in the last weeks or last couple of days since the game happened. Mahomes has the Brady effect where it doesn't matter the record. It doesn't matter where it just if you're playing the Chiefs and Andy Reid, along with Mahomes, obviously coaches do dumb shit. And this was that for some weird reason. I don't know the offensive coordinators, um, you know, had a uh, name. I, I know that he's new. Go ahead. No, I, I, I thought I knew it was. Yeah, Mike, I, they got rid something. of Red Roman or whatever his name was. They got rid of Roman, and they, you know, they said he was the reason why they didn't do anything. 
they went into this game being the, the number one rushing offense in the league. And their game plan was to have to have Lamar Jackson be a pocket passer and throw the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like it, yes, it's on Lamar. He had a terrible two, two terrible interceptions. But he he what what's up? He had two. I thought it was a one interception, one fumble. Maybe I think he had one drop. He did have to turnover. That's what it was. He fumbled. He, he got strip sack and he had one terrible interception into triple coverage. He also put his team into a position to score and had a wide receiver drop the ball in the end zone. He threw the ball to a, to a tight end where I, I mean, arguably could have been past interference, wasn't called, led to a pick. So, like, I'm not going to say that it's 100% on him, but because of who he is and what his stature is as a player, going to be this year's MVP most likely. Yeah, he, he dropped the ball in this one big time. Yeah, it's Todd Munkin. Is the uh, OC for the Ravens? You're never going to remember names, so thank you. Let's start with the Ravens' offense versus the Chiefs' defense. Mm. I think that you're you were right in that two things are true. I think there's a lot of blame to be put on the Ravens' offense, just coaching staff, the offensive coordinator Munkin. They ran the ball eight times with running backs in the entire game, um, and it was never like they were down twenty points where they had to continually throw the ball. Um, stat for you, stat for you, stat for you. Just ahead. because I actually listen to stats, I know that you always are the stat guy, but this is a huge one. Okay. They ran the ball six times on second and third down the entire game. Six, six times second and third down. I think they only they didn't run the ball, but maybe twice on first down, which crazy. is insane. Um, but the crazy thing is that the weakness of the Kansas City Chiefs is that pat, rushing defense. And to have the Ravens only run the ball eight times against them in the entire game when the whole game script was still in play the entire game. They were never blown out to a point where they have to just throw the ball. That was a huge error on the, the coaching staff of the, the Ravens. Um, but I think there's also a lot of blame on Lamar. I think that he was dared to make, to be a, a game manager. I know that terms like thrown around a lot as like, a dirty word, like no one wants to be called a game manager. But game managing to me is like taking what the defense gives you, playing it smart, playing it safe, right? Um, they threw a lot of pressure at him, and time after time again, he was holding the ball way too long and looking for deeper developing routes that take time. And it just they just never he didn't have time to let them develop. I would have preferred to see him either a make decisions as the quarterback at the line of scrimmage and do some hot routes, buy yourself some easy passes, or B, if it was schemed up to have, like, check down easy passes, go to them quicker. Um, so I just think overall just a complete failure of the the Ravens' offense from top to bottom. Yeah, you said it um, during the game. I think I had left, like, we went on, like, a walk. Um, so, like, I didn't catch when you were saying it, what was happening. I said at the beginning of the game, they're blitzing the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. They just keep blitzing him. Like every other play, they're just sending the house and just like, hey, try to beat us in the air. But you had mentioned he's holding on to the ball too much and he's trying to make the downfield play. Yeah. And the issue with that is because they're just sending the house, they're in man-to-man. I, I think I texted you. I was like, I'm not seeing any separation from their wide receivers. Like it's they just, McDuffie and Sneed they're just good. locked up. You know, um, OBJ, Bateman, and and Flowers. Uh, 
flowers. Yeah, like they they legit were like, we're just going to run man to man. And if you can make the perfect pass, you can beat us. But like they were willing to do that. And Spagnola was like, I, look, we want you guys to throw. We don't want you to run. So we're just going to send the house, but we're going to send it in lanes. And it's going to make you think that it's for the rush. It's like, no, no, no. We're, we're doing this to make it so that you have to pass the ball. It's not it's not run blitzing because there's a big difference for those that aren't, aren't familiar with it. There's a difference between regular blitzing and run blitzing. They were blitzing as if it were pass. And it, they just couldn't do anything about it. They were blitzing as if it was pass, but I think it was a very controlled blitz. I don't, because they weren't overloading one side. They were kind of gap blitzing. So, they stunned it. Yeah, they, they gap blitz so that if, what, you know, if they brought the pressure, there was no escape routes for Lamar. Every gap was covered up by a blitzer. So he was not able to elude the pocket. They made him stay in the pocket. Um, and then one, one thing that I was also kind of down on Lamar, and it's just crazy to see like day and night between him and Mahomes, is I feel like Mahomes is the best in the league right now at making very small adjustments in the pocket to, to buy time, whether it be one foot to the left, two feet to the right, make a step to the left, then to the right. Like he's not moving a lot, but he's finding like these little spaces to stay alive. Like Tom Brady was great at that, just kind of shuffling around and finding time. I feel like Lamar's either flat footed or he gets happy feet. And he's not doing like the little movements in the pocket to buy time. Granted, it was really hard against that that pass rush. Um on the flip side of the ball, man, that KC defense is for real. Oh good. Real good. Yeah, I give him credit. They have a fantastic defense top to bottom. Um it, but one thing I, I thought was interesting and I'm gonna throw this out to you. So if you remember the game opened up, I think Ravens got the ball first. It was a three and out, or they punted for a series. Casey mm-hmm. comes out, had an amazing drive. I think it was like 15 plays, touchdown. Yep, eight, six yards, touchdown. And then second drive for the Ravens, they had like three huge plays, one by Lamar on the ground, um, another pass, and then like a giant pass to, uh, to Zay Flowers, I think, uh, for the touchdown after Lamar essentially like shrugged, shrugged off a, a sack. Do you think that drive almost screwed the Ravens for the whole game where they saw the success on taking big shots early and they were like, this is what we're going to do today. And instead of just taking what the defense gave them, they were just trying to force feed down the field after that drive? Nope. No? I don't think the game changed a bit because of the Ravens offense. I think it changed everything when they did that. They scored their touchdown and then Mahomes went down the field and scored. Well, I guess... I guess what I'm more prefacing is like, do you think that early success on like those chunk plays on that drive for Lamar Jackson kind of fueled the mentality of like, we can, we should be going for these big chunk plays because we can get it. Potentially. I mean, if that's the, if that's what's swaying the offensive coordinator, then shame on him. I think they got into a, oh crap. And it was, we punted three and out. They scored. We came back. We gave them our best punch, our best right hook unexpected. And then they drive down the field and scored again. And they were like, shit, we can't get into a, a, you know, a jab match. We have to throw haymakers. And I think they had to do adjustments based off of the return touchdown that they had, that they had given up. I don't think they were, they were like, oh word, this one worked because I think one chunk play in that game. I mean, on that drive was on the ground. Yeah. Justice Hill ran up the middle for 30 yards. That was one of their chunk plays was a run running. And then they chose to not do that again. I think it was like inside zone, something where he just took it right up the middle, kicked out the, you know, the it was Gus Edwards. What's, oh, well, it was Gus. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Um, but like, no, up here, Justin Hill, Justice Hill, 34 yards up the, 
Oh, from the 34-yard line. You're right. My bad. My bad. It says no game. It's all good. Um, but no, no. So essentially, the run up the middle was the play, and they just chose to not go back to inside, outside zone, read option, RPO. They just they wanted to throw the ball for some weird reason. I don't, I don't understand that. Like, we saw dumb coaching this weekend. We're not going to get into the 49ers-Lions game yet, but like we, th- this is related to it where the fear of what 15 is doing makes you do dumb stuff. And this was part of it where let's get into this, try to outthrow Mahomes. The difference was Mahomes was taking what the defense is giving him. We've seen this projection and I wish one of these days we're going to get, you know, some little statistician, whatever that can tell us shit in our ear or like recap old clips. I said it two years ago when they got rid of Tyreek Hill. I said, you were going to see the best version of Patrick Mahomes be a quarterback now because he got rid of his binky. He used to just go back there, say, fuck it, Tyreek's down there somewhere, throw it. He doesn't have that. So what he has to do is if it's third, if it's second and eight, I got to take this four or five yard pass to make it short, make it easier for third down. He's doing that when other QBs are looking for that first down on second. Now it's third and long. And he he's just picking apart. I think the word you used was surgical. And it's so true. It's the difference between heard it all week, you know, on sports heads or the last couple of days. This is Mahomes, and this is everybody else. In the middle might be a burrow because he's the only one that's beat him in the playoffs, but we're not comparing anybody else to, the, to Patrick Mahomes anymore. He's in his own league with how to oh, yeah. play the quarterback position. Yeah, we'll talk on uh, the Chiefs' offense in a second. But uh, and then, uh, with the Mahomes, like I forget who I think Bomani Jones calls him MJ. Like he's he's MJ. Like he's he's the he's the greatest. Um, but. Does this game affect how you view Lamar? It was a disastrous second half. He had the strip sack fumble, the throw into triple coverage. And I have a interesting question for you before you answer that. Is this is gonna might sound insulting? Is Lamar the NFL version of James Harden? You're not the first person to ask that question. Um, currently, yes. Great, um, great offensive regular season to get caught up in L's in the postseason. So, yeah, I guess we have to say that for now. I think this doesn't affect his legacy yet. He's 26, right? Something like that. He's still young. These quarterbacks are playing until they're 35 to 40 years old. Now, I don't. I, with him being an athletic quarterback, I don't know if he has that in him, but he ain't old, right? I think he's 26. Let me get the exact age for him, but he's 27. So he's not—he's technically not hit his prime, which is between like 28 and 32. So I think he's good enough to bounce back from this, and I'm not ready to say like, yeah, he's just going to be a playoff loser for the rest of his career. I'm not ready to say that yet. Yeah, the stats are damning. I think he's six interceptions, six touchdowns ratio in the in the playoffs for his career. It's damning. Not good. It's not good. And what? The hard part about this, I th- this is the, and you can go to the, you know, the next thing yeah. after is I brought this up. Somebody brought it up saying Lamar losing, la la la, blah blah blah. And I was like, well, these dudes that like are losing, they're losing to Mahomes. Yeah, it's tough. Like, like you said the Michael Jordan thing. Like, yeah, he stopped a lot of people from winning. Like, are we just gonna say that like John Stockton and Karl Malone suck because of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, like they could still be good. It's just mm. on a specific Sunday, and it happens to be the Sunday that you got to play the Chiefs in the playoffs. You're losing to him. So 
yeah, like I'm not going to throw the Tennessee loss when he was a rookie filling in for Joe Flacco and they won, you know, 12 straight with him filling in. I'm not going to put that on his shoulders as one of the losses. But this is one that he has to carry and he's he's got to bounce back. They may not be the one seed next year, but he's got to use it as fuel to be like, look, I, I can't let this opportunity slip anymore because he's no longer going to be judged for wild card or division playoff wins. It's conference championship or, or nothing. That That's how his season is going to be judged now. He's no longer with the back-to-back MVPs, all pros, whatever awards he wins. He's no longer going to be, I would say, acknowledged for his regular season success. Or if he wins the wild card or the divisional game, it's going to be if he wins the conference championship. Yeah, that's some real talk, man, because we're, we, like you said before, man, we're like the most pro-Lamar podcast out there. Oh, we got to keep it real with them. Yes, on, sir. On the flip side, you know, I was watching the, the Chiefs offense, and like I said to you, they are. They went from being this explosive, fun fireworks team three years ago to being surgical in the way mm-hmm. they operate. And it reminds me so much of these Tom Brady Patriots teams. Where, listen, I'm not a Patriots fan. I actually hate the Patriots, and I would watch Brady and the Patriots and just root for them to lose. And just you could just see Tom Brady put together these 12, 13, 14 play drives of just precision spreading the ball taking what the defense gives them and just marching down the field and i feel like mahomes has evolved his game to be just a and again this is thrown out as a dirty term but like the ultimate game manager where he can just be like oh i can i can torture you for 50 yards but i'm also going to pick you apart for four you know six plays for 30 yards and just march down the field like whatever you want to give me i'll take it and, and just and feast and it's just so frustrating to watch this offense and try to stop this offense because there is not one single way to stop them. No. And uh, this is going to suck for fantasy football owners. Like it may not be in the cards to draft Mahomes as a top three quarterback anymore because of this type of season. And I think they still go out there and they get a wide receiver. I think they break the bank with getting a wide receiver for next year. So maybe it, it switches, but what he does is he goes out there and he no longer cares about the flash. He no longer cares about the running throw across the body for 50 yards down the field. He's going to be like, all right, here's the play. I think we can check this to Pacheco, five yards here. All right, here's the play. Kelsey, run a hitch, 10 yards here. All right, here's the play. Wide receiver, random, you know, I don't even know his name, uh, Justin Watson, 16-yard catch, like it's nothing. MVS, run down the field. Another catch. Like it's nothing. He's turning no-name receivers and tight ends, not into household names, but people that make big plays. First down here, second and short here, first down here. And like you said, it's it's disheartening being a defensive player. True and true. Love my offense. Love being a wide receiver. Love being a, a, a you know running back. But I am a cornerback. And there is nothing worse than just seeing first down, first down. First down. Let me get beat for a 50-yard catch. Whatever. We can now stop them and get a chance to. But when it is just painful, here's a first down here, another first down there. Five yards, another first down here. You feel so helpless. And it's like, no matter what defense we call, we can't stop these motherfuckers. And that's literally what the Chiefs are right now. It's such a weird thing because I feel like they simultaneously, the Ravens defense, stopped Mahomes because they limited him to 17. But watching the game, it felt like they had a stranglehold on the game the entire time Mahomes had offense. 
you didn't need to score touchdowns in that game. They were playing the game. So I think somebody said this on TV, like they played the game where they wanted Lamar to pass. And last week they wanted Buffalo to run. And they both played right into their hands where they just shut you down where our offense is going to score just enough, but our defense is going to make it so that you panic. And both teams hit the panic button because they were like, crap, we don't know what to do. And that's just the, the 15 effect now. I'm I'm leaning Kansas City to win the Super Bowl just because of how the Niners have looked throughout the playoffs. And I listen, I'll admit it. I was the first one on the show to say Kansas City's cooked. Like I, I was anti Kansas City the past couple of weeks. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to say like you. This is very Miami esque. But like you're talking about well, them like the Heat, and look what happened with the, the Heat. Got and to the finals and lost though. So let's let's hold our hold our tone on that one. But the one thing that does concern me is Kansas City. Like you said, the run game travels and the defense travels. The run game was pretty inept this past week. Pacheco averaged two and a half, two point eight yards a carry on. 24 carries. No one else got it going on the ground. And then if you look at who's making the receptions, it wasn't like they were killing you with passes to everyone. The volume is all Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. And I'm just I'm just thinking ahead, right? The one thing that I, I know that's really strong about San Francisco's defense, they have two of the best linebackers in the game that can play coverage and tackle. I think they're going to make it very hard for Travis Kelsey to um, and the thing is, like, what's been killing Kansas City, and I know we're getting too far ahead in this, is the outside run. They've been they've been getting crack blocks on those defensive ends. All I don't know how they haven't made an adjustment. Both the Lions and uh, the Packers have been bringing wide receivers down and chipping the, the the defensive ends of the line. But that's not Kansas City's bread and butter. They're going to run the ball up the middle. That's Pacheco's game. They're going to give the ball to Kelsey. I feel like the very bad matchup for them. But still, I cannot. I got to stop counting out Mahomes at this point. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give projections quite yet, but I I think you're going to see in in a dome in Vegas controlled climate. You're going to see the best offensive output that KC has of this season. It's got it's all going to come together, I think, in the Super Bowl in two weeks. Uh, last couple last couple things on this game. I thought that the Ravens even did play pretty well, all things considered. Seventeen um, seventeen points is a really good number against Mahomes, but again, like the Chiefs were very methodical in what they wanted to do. It was almost like they were not going to take any chance. Like, they had the lead, and they're like, we're not going to do anything stupid. Beat us. And the Ravens just couldn't. Oh, do you want to talk on the the mistakes, by the way, by Zay Flowers, a fucking fumble into the end zone and so penalty? He had, like, the, like the, the, the trifecta, right? The hat trick of dumbness on that one drive. Not only did he catch like a 40-yard pass across the middle, great. I didn't see the first part. I saw the ball in the throwdown and the stair. It's like, all right, bro, like conference championship, probably shouldn't do stuff like that. I think that was a stupid flat. Yeah, the, the chest that push. Part, the chest I didn't push. see it where he used Sneed to get up, like yeah. sit down, son. And I was like, dog, that's 100% a flag. Like, come on, man. Like, you got to be smarter than that. But that's not even the part, you know, he not only did he stiff arm the man, get up, spin the ball on him, and then flex. When he got the the fumble, the fumble happens. So first thing was the stupid penalty. Second thing was catch the pass, go into the end zone, dumbass, run into the end zone, take the hit. If you come up short, whatever, you got to run the ball the next play. Stop trying to make the play for your team and be that guy. You extend the ball, it gets knocked out. Fumble. 
That's strike two. Then strike three, I understand he's a rookie, and you got to learn from this. We're taught, at, you know, as, as young kids, your helmet is the protector of all, right? Man throws his helmet off. Oh, I hate man. when people do that. And then he goes and it's cold as shit out. He goes and slams his hand on the bench. Like, how dumb can you be? Cuts his hand. Now he's out the next drive. Like, you, that is immaturity at its highest. You not only cost your team with the penalty, then you cost your team with, with the fumble, so points, and then you cost your team by not being available. And what do I say is the best ability? Availability. Like, that, I understand he's young. He's going to learn. But yes, that, that whole sequence, I was like, that has got to be the dumbest 15 to 20 minutes of his life. Like, you, you just cost your team essentially the game because of what you just did. That's the thing that we talked about, the big word about the takeaway uh, with the Ravens, immaturity. And yeah. just costly penalty, a couple of very costly rough from the passers. The uh, fucking clothesline, yeah. but yes. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fine. And we just mentioned taunting, just a lot of immaturity for the Ravens. And the unfortunate thing is I don't think they'll ever get it as good as they had it this year. Like it's This might be the best chance they have going forward because, again, Lamar's contract's going to start going up and up and up. You're going to have to start paying some of these guys more. It's going to be hard to retain the, everyone on the defense. And you are the one seed this year in a very difficult conference. I, You can maybe you're the one seed next year, but I know it's going to be very difficult to repeat as the one seed. So we'll see where this goes. They need time to mature, but it just the timelines might not link up perfectly for them to put this together. You usually have a season where this is the one, and I think this was their one. I, I, I think every season from it, just like Philly, I think last year was their season. I think, not to say they're going to regress, like I still think they're going to be a top team in the AFC next year, but I don't think it's going to be their year. Mahomes is coming back. You still, I mean, sorry, sorry Mahomes is here. Uh, Burrow's coming back. We're seeing the upcoming of newer, younger talent in like a CJ Stroud. Obviously, we're still going to have to worry about Josh Allen and them Bills. Like this was the year for them to capitalize on having one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best offenses in the league, and the MVP on the team, and they came up short. By the way, I know this is completely off topic, and we missed the show last week, so I just have to say it. You told you told me Sean McDermott's gonna get fired with that dumbass play, the the fake punt. I didn't see until afterwards who the snap was to. <laughs> you saw who they snapped the fake punt to, right? No, I can't. Oh, you I were watching everything, but this was so long ago. I it's gone. It's you, gone. They did that fake punt that failed. Yeah, it was Demar Hamlin. Come they back were, the year. They were trying to get some Disney type of shit going for them, but it, it did not work oh, out. Oh my goodness, he tried to have his Vince Papali moment and failed miserably. If they give him the comeback player they of the will. year it's over bullshit. Baker Mayfield or Joe Flacco, I'm gonna be pissed. Like, I'm all for the man. You know, being alive, obviously, but like <laughs> coming <pro-living>. back <laughs> and like playing football, I get that it is extremely hard to do that. But like, Joe Flacco came off above of, up off of a couch, like shopping at Costco, and they, brrr, hey Joe, we need you go play quarterback. <laughs> We're down to like option number seven. But what's in it for me? Well, you can get some bread, and you 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 can run the offense. I can just throw the ball as much as I want. Yeah, 
sign me up. Like that's what they did for him. So, and he went out there and was like the best quarterback in the second half of the season. So it, it, yes, uh, all for DeMar Hamlin still playing football, not for him winning, you know, NFL comeback player of the year this year. We got so off topic. Uh, I think what we're going to do just because of time, we're going to nip out the NBA segment and we're going to move it versus five next. Okay. Prepare yourselves for the greatest and most unique segment in podcast history. Let's rank some stuff with D. It's time for Frizz's Five. You messed that up, bro. You were supposed Ooh, to say. I forgot it was my five. <laughs> I didn't know if you had a five this week, but I have a five. I have a good one for you. It's, I've been sitting on it for a couple weeks now. Okay. Let's do it. It was inspired by so uh, gets my number. It was inspired by my number one, but we'll get to my number one later. Um, basically, the premise of my top five is that we have all this technology in the world. I can order anything off my phone. It can be at my house from Amazon in like twenty minutes. So much technology, but yet we do some of the dumbest shit in sports and just ignore technology. So, top five technological advantages we need in sports. Okay, you like that? I have two outside looking. Thank you. I have two outside looking. I, I just said thank you to myself. <laughs> for, for those that, I mean, everybody on this show that listens and watches us should know that Trudeau is the producer. Grizz <laughs> is the producer. So he just had his Quentin Richardson moment in which he, I don't know if you remember the dude that plays for the Jets, but he got drafted by the Jets. He used to be an Alabama defensive tackle, and he's in an interview, and he's talking, he's talking, he's talking, and he sneezes. He goes, oh, and he goes, bless you. Thank you. So the man blessed himself and thanked himself. So as soon as you hit that cheer button and thank you, and thank you, that's the exact moment. That's the exact thought I had. It was like, this man just blessed and thanked himself. I thought maybe you had the sound word. I don't know what's going on anymore. All right. Two outside looking ins. Uh, they were inspired by actually last night. Last night in the Bucks. Uh, who the Bucks play last night? I don't know. Whatever. Giannis got called for the they 10. Lost, lost the Nuggets. They lost the Nuggets. Giannis got called for 10 seconds on the free throw. My two outside looking ins that we need to advance in sports technology. Number one. Why are we letting referees count to 10 on their hands before they blow that? Can we have a fucking shot clock when they take the free throw and go when they hit 10 seconds? Outside looking at one. Number two, same idea. The seven second inbounds play drives me fucking bananas because I don't know. You see people. Is it seven seconds or how many seconds is in five seconds? Yep. All right. Five seconds inbounds. Who knows how they're, they're count, there's a referee counting Mississippi's, they're going one, two, three, five. Like, it's just all made up. Can we have a fucking clock that counts down when the ball is handed over so we can have some legitimacy to this process? I am in agreement for both of those because I play a shit ton of 2K. So, not like, you know, um, inbound, excuse me, not um, free throw related, but that is 100%, you know, subjective where the referee bounce passes it to you, <laughs> they put their hand up, then they put their hand down. Then they start the count for 10. It's like, oh, he already has the ball for three or four seconds. Like, we way past 10 by now. So, yes, I'm with you. And I think somebody a couple of days ago counted when he had the ball, like, from the free throw line. And they got the 10 and he still didn't shoot. And they were like, what the fuck? 
So yes, I'm with you on that. And same thing for the sideline inbounds pass. I'm like, yo, that's more than five seconds. There's no way they got that timeout in time or didn't pass the ball. And yes, I'm with you on the So you see, this is what the theme is like. Stupid shit we do in sports that can be solved by technology. Yeah, I'm with you. They go shot clock for baseball now. Why not put a little little one, you know, like right outside where the buzzer is on the on the scoreboard? You know, not ten seconds. Put it on the scoreboard so so people know. Number five. This is my actual list. Number five. Speaking of baseball. Delivering signs to the fucking pitcher. Why are we doing this with our crotch? Just like, <laughs> like giving like finger gestures on our crotch. That's how we're telling the pitcher what pitcher to throw. Do you know the catcher has an earpiece now, right? Didn't know that. Yeah, the catcher has an earpiece that the coach communicates with them. Can we not give the pitcher a fucking earpiece too, so we don't have to do these crotch symbols to the to the pitcher from the catcher? A, it would help. You know. Teams like the Astros, no, sorry, would disadvantage the, the Astros because they wouldn't be able to steal any more signs. But B, AT&T has this, and it's fucking dope, so maybe at some point it does. But they have a helmet that helps the, the, uh, the deaf. So for people that play football, like this is an actual thing, people that play football, they have a helmet that has a little glass like right here or like plexiglass probably so it don't break, and it can tell you what the play is. Instead of the cards from the sideline or like people jumping up and down and doing jumping jacks to be like, hey, Moses Abdul with Jakeem Jacksonville on five on five. Ready? Break. Like, no, the play's right here and they can just do it. So like if they can do that for high school kids, they got like a, a hat with like the speakers right here in yeah. the fucking something you know, people can hear it. Something. Exactly. But you're seeing like the, another stupid thing we do in sports. Just why are we doing it? Um, yes. Number four, this is less practical. Another baseball one, less practical than my number five, but I just find it to be hilarious. Number four, pitchers, relief pitchers, that is running from the bullpen across the park to the mound. <laughs> You guys heard of a fucking cart or something? Like, why are we running the length of a baseball field to go pitch? What are we doing here? But the only problem that I would have with that is, A, we wouldn't have Wild Thing, right? Like, there would be no major league. Yeah, that that movie would be irrelevant if they had that. And, B, we wouldn't have our guy, you know, Timmy Trumpet. So that... That's a good point. Like I, that shit hyped me up, and I don't watch baseball. Like I was ready for, uh, who's the dude that comes in? Who, who's the who's the pitcher? Who's the relief pitcher? Diaz. Yes, Eduardo Diaz, right? I think it is. I I was I ready for him. Mets games. He was out all that. Like I was a baseball fan for like ten seconds. I even told you I was like, yo, he's hurt. We can't listen to that shit anymore. <laughs> like yes, I was. I I'd be down for that, but I just. I like the music. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I like the little WWE style entrance music <laughs> heading to the mound. That's when uh, baseball was canceled on this podcast when Diaz got hurt. We're done for the season. I think we we didn't talk a single pitch after that. I think you stopped talking A's because of it. Yeah. He was hurt before the season. But all right, number three. Here's a good one for you. Number three. This one drives me crazy. It's completely subjective as well. D, how do we tell when a field goal is good or not? Mm. We got two two dudes just going like this. Staring up, just staring up. Can we not have like a laser sensor or something? Being like, "Yep, it's good." But no, we have just two dudes looking up the sky. And my favorite thing, like this, they look at each other. Like, was it? uh, You think so? Yeah. Okay, let's just do this together. (laughs) I'm with you on that one. Uh, I think tennis. They have the little thing. Yep, tennis, soccer, and I don't know if hockey has it. 
but I do know tennis and soccer have it where if the ball hits the line, it's a goal or not a goal, right? Or like it has, yeah. fully, has to fully go over. So yeah, there's something that can be implemented. It granted, they tried to put some mechanics into the basketball a couple of years ago, and NBA players freaked out. Oh, it it feels weird. Like it doesn't dribble the same. Shut up, right? You're getting paid millions of dollars. Put the ball in the hoop. Like it's not that big of a deal. Darian's so, over here. Shut up and dribble. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not that much. What I'm saying is, what if they just did it for the special K ball, right? Like only on the field goal kicking ball is where they make the ball you know, a little different. But then if someone blocks it and they're running with it and they're, you know, slips out of the hand, like, it's because they got technology in it. Shut up. Okay. the touchdown. Uh, yeah, I like that one. They, I, like, I, like the, I feel like tennis is the most advanced sport when it comes to actually like officiating and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, get those, they get those replays like immediately after. Nothing. All right, number two. This one's probably the most practical. I, I like my number one best, but my number two is the most practical. Why are we having umpires in baseball? Like the, to call the strike zone? They're they're so bad. Have you heard of Angel Angel Hernandez? You you forgot your own cheer. Oh, okay. Thank you. Got you. I was thinking myself, not you. <laughs> uh, let, let's yeah. why get rid of the umpires. Can we just have a like little strike zone thing? It's super easy that you can see it on the worst part is when you watch baseball on TV and they have the strike zone. It's just like, hell yeah, that was a strike. And the, the umpire just like ball. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. I could see it on TV. <laughs> strike. So I'm with you on that one because I, I thoroughly hate the uh, contradiction between people that are all about the human element but pissed it's off so when the human element goes against them. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate that. That that drives me up a fucking wall when, like, we gotta keep the human element in it, right? Like, it, it's, it's the reason why the game is the game. And then homeboy that could have pitched a, uh, a a no-hitter or a perfect game. He used to play for the Detroit Tigers. I can't remember his name because he was a, Armando something, actually. Uh, I can't remember the last name. But he almost pitched a, a complete game and Catcher, I mean, uh, yeah, pitcher catches it, throws it to the first base. The dude was out, out by a fucking mile. And, re- and the ump was like, sorry. And then people were like, what the fuck we need? We need instant replay and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's human element, isn't it? Like, isn't this what you wanted? Like, he made a mistake. But like, no, like, you can't pick and choose for it. So, yes, I'm all for you on that. Get the fucking umpires up out of there. I'm sick he of seeing you. big ass K on the screen. Uh, hey, or a fucking bunk. <laughs> no, man. Let's see with that shit. My favorite. Although, I do like the umpires that like to be a part of the game by like, like too much. Like I want to, I always wanted to be an umpire just so like if a little kid strikes out, I wouldn't be like strike three. Right? I'd be like, <laughs> I'd go in and like, they'd probably cry and I'd be like, get fucking better and don't strike out. Like that's Jesus probably Christ. what my reaction would be. Crushing children's dream. D's like, I want to be an umpire so I can crush children's dreams. I love it. 100%. Don't strike out if I'm the umpire because you won't want to get back up at the plate. It's <laughs> good list so far. Yeah. Great list. I my, like my number one is you're going to, I'm going to say you're gonna be like, you're fucking right. This is the dumbest shit we do in all of sports. My number one, dumbest fucking. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. My dumbest number one dumbest thing we do in sports that we need to replace with technology is D. NFL Sunday, billion dollar industry, a game of inches. Some would say, how do we track those inches? 
We got one fat guy over here with the stick. We got one fat guy over here with the stick. And they just move the chains. What the fuck are we doing? Can we have something better than little pieces of chains on two sticks to determine the fate of fucking billion dollar franchises? Play it, play it, play it. Thank you. Jesus Christ, bro. Like, you can't have a list and run production anymore. At no, the same I'm excited. I'm just like, too excited about this list. Soundboard. I got to take advantage of this shit. It was expensive. But yes, I'm with you on that one. And for the for the longest time, because we've both played the game, and this is something that we all see, but like, what? Like, and when it's first down and like, all right, cool. Feel, you know, touchback, balls at the 20-yard line or 25-yard line, whatever it is nowadays. And you get a first, like f- four yards. But like homie on this side has the ball or has his foot on like the four yard hash and homie on this side has it like three and a half. <laughs> so they like split it and I'm like, yo, like that that changes the trajectory of the entire 10 yards they have to go. Like, is it four? Is it second in like two, you know, eight and a half or like is it second and eight? So like, yes, I'm wholeheartedly with you on that one. I'm all I'm done with like you know, the, the entertainment of bringing the chain over and like, that is kind of dope though. That is kind of dope. I've seen, did you see what happened to South Carolina and Jadavian Clowney? I don't know, man. Short by like six yards. They were like, Oh, it's a first down. D down. I might have to reconsider my position on this as being things that has to be replaced because there is nothing better than when they bring that chain over and everyone's looking real intently and they pop it down on fourth down. It's like two inches short. The defense just goes fucking nuts because there's two little chain links between the football and the stick. That's the best fucking feeling. Where gets up and goes like this. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, there's no way they were this short. Yeah. Like, give me a break. So I, I'm in agreement with you that like they need to get rid of Chuck and Larry or Mo and Tom, like, you know, bringing the chain gang out there and whatnot. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Like, yeah. And like, yeah, the, they got to fix the way that like, uh, you know, the balls is spotted on the field. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I, I think I was uh, inspired to do this list for number one, because I think I watched a game on wildcard weekend where one of those fat Mo and Larry's got destroyed by a football player going out of bounds. I'm like, why are they even there? <laughs> Why? Uh, yep, that happens. Got to be athletic. We've seen coaches get torn ACLs because they don't jump when someone's running on the sideline. Top five. That's good. I like that good five. Good, good five. five. All right. Last topic of the day: the uh, other big game of the weekend, NFC Championship game, 49ers versus Lions. There's been so much talk about this game. And a lot of it's been on Dan Campbell. You can start there with you if you want. You can talk about the comeback. You can talk about the Lions implosion. You can talk about the dude getting bounced off the face mask and, you know, leading to Ayuk going for 40-something yards. You can talk about Brock Purdy. I don't care, man. Where do you want to start with on this? I'm going to go with just saying I, I Detroit lost this game. I don't think San Francisco won it. And what I mean by that is there was so many things that, like could have gone wrong and each and every one of them did, which made it the perfect storm for them to lose. And I, I was, I was talking with, you know, a couple of guys in, in our, in our group chat and the frustration behind, like, I understand consistency, but the frustration behind stupid coaching pisses me off. Like 
I understand you want to go for it on fourth down. I'm not against the aggression. I'm not against you making specific play calls. Two fourth downs that they went for were drop passes. One of them hit Reynolds in the chest. One of them hit him in his hands. So, like, like they still got to go out there and execute, right? But I also understand that this is not a normal game. This is the NFC Championship with a potential Super Bowl, like, arrival on the line. So, like, you you can't just always go back to what's been working. The reason why you have the highest conversion rate in the NFL in the regular season is because most of the time you're doing these types of plays. The teams that are kind of game planning for you, you're catching them off guard, right? When it's the NFC Championship, you ain't catching them off guard, right? Going forward on fourth and four isn't a surprise, right? Going on forward on fourth and one, yeah, you catch me off guard. I don't really know what you're going to play. It could be a run, it could be a pass. You ain't running it on fourth and four against an incredibly good defense, right? Like they're making passes, and every time that they did, incomplete pass by Jared Goff, Jared Goff rolling right, throwing left, bad pass off of St. Brown's hands, but like he didn't really get a chance to catch that. Another one. Pass to Reynolds, hit him in his chest, drops it. Another one, pass to Reynolds, hits him in his hands, drops it. And it's like the, these are taking away scores in a what looked, what not look, what came down to a one score game. You left nine potential points on the field, and you can't do that in conference championships. That, along with momentum, brought the 49ers back. And here we are, the 49ers going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I definitely want to talk on the 49ers side, but before we get there, let me address some. So I assume you're you're questioning Dan Campbell's decision making with all that. Yeah, I I don't I'm not questioning his consistency behind staying true to himself. I'm questioning the timing of it with a Super Bowl trip on the line. I would just say that a couple things. Number one, in most of those cases, the probability said that it was a better better chance of having a positive outcome by going for it. So like the math was in his favor. Number two. Some of those should have been converted, specifically the draw pass. Two out of three of them. Yeah. I can't remember if there was a fourth, but I know two out of three of them should have been converted. So first I would say that like process over results. The process had to go for it and it should have been converted. It was just your players completely imploding in that moment. Number three, it's like I remember game one of the season, the, what was it? The Lions versus the, the Kansas City Chiefs and Dan Campbell went for it on a, was it a fake punt on like their own 25 and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. He's got balls, the biggest balls ever. And we applauded him for that type of bravery then. And if that had failed, we would have crushed him for that stupid shit. And I just think everyone's so reactionary as to play the results. This man has taken this team and made them relevant again and got him to the NFC Championship game be playing the style of football and being aggressive. And the one thing I think you should be, and I think you're saying don't be aggressive because of the situation. I think you should be true to yourself and how, what got you to the position you are in now. So if you're a very good run team, run the damn ball. You know, if you're if you're going to be a, a high air rate offense, throw the damn ball, but they got to where they are by being aggressive and going for it. And we're playing the results today, but if any one of those failed conversions would have worked, we're not talking about any of that today. You, you know how much I hate kickers, right? Like the world knows oh. how much Frizz hates kickers. Yeah. The only reason why, and I'm not, I wasn't questioning his coaching at all. He turned that, that entire organization and city around. 
for probably the better half of five years. I'd say that the next five years should be good with the way that they're set up youth and, and staff-wise. The, the reason why I bring up the decision-making that he made was there was there were points that were left on a, on the table in a game where he said first of 30 wins. So that means you got to get those points when you can. And for, for you to not take, I'm not saying that field goals are like guaranteed by any means, but they're playing in Cali, really not affected by the weather. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't raining. It wasn't like high wind or anything like that. So it's like your best chance to score with that field goal. And I get if they caught the passes, you accept the process. In a game where teams Let me ask are you this. To score, hold on, what I'm saying. Yeah. In a game where teams are looking to score, you break momentum by putting points on the board. And they lost a lot of it. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have gone for all four, but like when one or two didn't work, maybe back down a little bit and be like, let me try to get this field goal to break this momentum. And then maybe we get a chance later in the game and they do convert it. So that that's just where my gripe is with it. Not so much of like him not staying true to himself because I, I applaud him doing that. It's more of, Hey man, this, this is a trip to the Super Bowl. This ain't week seven of the regular season. So their kicker, Michael Badgley, they saw, I think they picked him up off the practice squad, you know, four weeks before the regular season. He's not like this automatic guaranteed good kicker. I think he's missed he missed two extra points this year. He's only he's very limited work. He's he his career he's not very good um, you know, after forty yards. So to say that he should have just kicked it and just say that it's a guaranteed three points, that's that's just not true because we know that this kicker is shaky to begin with. So I know what you're saying, like they're leaving points on the board, but I think they're asking him to kick a forty six and like a fifty three yard field goal in that that situation. I don't feel confident that those are both guaranteed three points each time. And again, if you can convert that first down, number one, if you do have to kick in the next, you know, next um, in that drive, you have a better chance. But number two, seven points is a lot, a lot more better, a, a lot more advantageous in this matchup. That was a really struggling words, um, especially if you're the 49ers. I mean, excuse me, if you're the Detroit Lions who have been running the ball down the throats of the San Francisco 49ers all day. I need a sip of water. Yeah, I'll take over for this one. <clears throat> yes, I think they they stayed true to themselves. Maybe they should have just continuously run the ball, but they're, I mean, fourth and four, that's a harder conversion on the ground, obviously. They weren't going for it on fourth and two. It was, I think all of them were fourth and four or more. So that, that makes it harder for you to convert. And that's where I say, yes, analytics or aggression may say go for it in this scenario. And like I said, I hate kickers. You know I can't stand them. Badgley may not have been a lock. For this scenario, if they kicked the field goal, I would have been like, look, at least they kicked it. If they missed it, you would have heard me say fucking kickers. But then then I wouldn't say, all right, now kick that 40-yarder later on in the game. I'd be all for it. Nope, he already missed one. He had his chance. You got to go out there and just win it yourself now. So like, it's it's not so much the process, excuse me, the, the result itself. It's the the magnitude of the game for making those types of decisions. I think on the flip side with the 49ers, I think number one, you have to say, you know, they were a little bit lucky to have a lot of these breaks go their way to actually get back in the game. But number two, I do think we should give some credit to that that organization and that that team because it's been a team this year that was almost stamped as if you get ahead of them, they don't have the ability to come back, you know, more than one possession 
And two weeks in a row now, they've shown the ability to dig themselves out of a out of a pretty big hole with the Packers and now with the Lions. Um, in particular, I want to bring up Brock Purdy because like he's always like this hot button thing. Uh, everyone has opinions on him. He's kind of like the two of this year where like people have strong opinions one way, strong opinions the other way. I think he's proven to be a very very good high end like game man. And I, people who are new to the conversation, I using this word. I use the term game manager, and I don't think that's a negative term. Like I don't think you have to be Lamar Jackson special, right? Like like I said earlier, Patrick Mahomes this week was more of a game manager, right? He took what the what was given to him. I think Brock Purdy did enough this week and showed some flashes of being special, especially when a couple of those big runs uh, to extend plays. I think he had like, what, like a 20-something yard run uh, the last touchdown drive of the game. Uh, so, I don't know, man. Definitely an upgrade for them uh, considering what they had last year with, uh, previous year with Garoppolo. Brings a little more to the table and um, has now shown the ability two weeks in a row to bring a team back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I hopefully I wasn't on team um, like I don't, I don't trust Brock Purdy. I hope I wasn't one of those people that said that. If I was, my apologies. Um, I think he is in a prime situation where, if things were going great, he looks all world. If things were going bad, people were ready to say it's because he was Mister Irrelevant. And he can't bring the team back, and he kind of silenced those critics the past couple of weeks. He definitely did last week with what he did against um, what he gets what he did single handedly against Detroit. Sneaky athletic. I think that helps out in certain situations. He was ready to run. He wasn't like, go ahead. Is is the term sneaky athletic the uh, the, the strict domain of the white guy? It could be, <laughs> but I think it's one of those you weren't, you weren't, I wasn't expecting it. It's not like he flashed, you know, 60 yard runs down the field in specific situations. But I say, I would say Mahomes is sneaky athletic. He looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy when he runs. Like he looks, he lo- he doesn't look like he runs fast, but he avoids tackles. And Brock Purdy did the same thing. Like he was out there juking motherfuckers. Like he's like, I got a little pep in my step. So like, I think that <clears throat> made the defense for Detroit off balance because they had to think, oh, he could take off. He hadn't done this the whole season. Where did this come from? So I think that helped out in specific situations. He had wide receivers make incredible catches. Jennings made that one-handed catch. That was absolutely insane. McCaffrey ran the way that McCaffrey runs. I don't know if he's dinged up, though, the way that he landed on his neck towards the end of that game. Um, but like they, their offense played perfect second half. The issue is it took them to the second half, right? Where... The Lions defense was ranked pretty low, right? Like pretty low this season. Their offense is what ran that team. So the door did give them, bless you. Uh, the door did, you know, was Thank open, or creaked open for them to come back, right? 24 to 7, really didn't feel like it was over. That's like the worst lead in, in football too, by the way. 17 is the worst lead. Just like people say two goal lead in hockey is the worst lead to have. But like, in football, you score right off at halftime. You're like, oh, we're back in this. All it takes is one mistake, and that mistake happened. Jameer Gibbs fumbled, another touchdown. Now you're like, shit, we gave up two touchdowns. We have to score, so we got to go for it on fourth. Another mistake where you don't convert it, 49ers take the lead. It's like that went away like it was nothing. So I don't know if they can play with fire like this leading into the Super Bowl, obviously. And we got another week before we can do predictions. Um, but it's one of those... Yeah, I'm glad you came back, 
you you silence the critics, but Brock, I don't know if you can get away with that again. You you can't go down twenty four to seven against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I was actually less concerned about Brock Purdy in the offense and more this this defense, which I thought was elite. I thought this 49ers defense was the best unit, defensive unit in the league. I was thinking that, you know, week ten, um, I don't know, but through ten to sixteen when they started going on a roll. Uh, but now we're seeing back-to-back weeks in the playoffs where they just don't look right. I don't know what it is exactly. Um, you know, they're not. They didn't get a ton of pressure. I felt like this game. Uh, and they're supposed to have two two elite. I think both had a couple sacks. Yeah, towards towards the end. Um, and I feel like they're getting run on a lot. I mean, I know. Granted, the Lions have a good rush attack. I don't look at the Packers and feel like they're. The top, I think they're fine at rushing the bottom. I think they're a top end rushing team, uh, and it's a lot of these. Like I mentioned earlier where they have a lot of wide receivers to tight ends coming down and pinning the defensive ends. I think maybe they're getting a little too aggressive, Bosa um, and Chase. But I don't know. It does worry me against this Chiefs team who does want to play super physical, running the ball, um, and having Mahomes where he's a magician in the pocket. It's going to be hard to generate those sack plays. I just would like to see a little more than Niners defense. Granted, they played a very good second half, uh, but still, man, it's. I feel like this 49ers team after two very important playoff games, yes, they're in the Super Bowl. Yes, they're one win away from a championship. They just don't feel complete at this point, right? Offensively, we've seen highs and lows, particularly in this game. Defensively, Back-to-back weeks, giving up 21 and then 31, I believe. So we have two playoff games with 52 points combined given up. It just feels like it's not all there right now for this 49ers team. Granted, they have two weeks to prepare, and Shanahan is a magician. So we'll see. I just have so many concerns going going into this uh, Super Bowl. But again, one game, football is a weird sport. To, what, what would you, how would you describe the shape of football? It's like an oblong ball. Shit bounces weird ways. So even if they are outmatched or I think they might be outmatched, Vegas does not. I think the favorites are the 49ers at this point. Um, weird shit happens, man. And uh, it's going to be a really fun Super Bowl. This is the matchup that I wanted to see. Uh, match, it was a rematch of what, 2019 or 2020? Yeah, 2019. 2019. Uh, upgrading quarterback. I think from this point, their defense is probably a little less uh, impressive as it was last time, but again, better run, better, uh, better running back. Better was McCaffrey, McCaffrey wasn't there at that point. No, no, no. better no, running back. Like um, Mostert. <clears throat> okay, better running back, better quarterback. I think you have upgrades all all in the offense, but just that defense has taken a, a big step back since uh, their last appearance. What I wouldn't be, what wouldn't feel right for me to 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 not bring up would be all this time and and before the playoffs, we said ground game and defense travels. So both ground games for Green Bay and um, Detroit traveled with them. Yeah. Green Bay had like over 150 on the ground, and same thing with Detroit. So like, I understand that the the 49ers defense is great. You know, <clears throat> borderline one of the best in the NFL when they're at their height. But they are going against two really good rushing defense, rushing offenses, and it's it's coming again with you know the Chiefs. So like. I know that they you're saying that there's like weak points for it, but they, they're playing teams that have really good ground games. So like you're gonna see these types of results. They are a a um opportunistic type of defense. 
give up the ground game, give up the ground game, and then hopefully turn you over when you make a mistake. They, they're not going to get gashed for like 30, 40, 50 yards. They are going to give up six here, That's seven a problem, here, eight. Though. I get that against Mahomes. That's the problem against I Mahomes. That. I get that. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying I get that. But that's part of the reason why we saw them be successful in winning the game versus Detroit and, and Green Bay. That Mahomes isn't over there. Uh, but I did say they can't allow Mahomes to go up 24-7. Right. It's, it's a wrap. It's a game over. There is no greatest comeback or second greatest comeback in Super Bowl history against a Chiefs team. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't, and we don't want to preview too much because we can talk about it more next week. It's going to be really fun Super Bowl. Um, and just really last thing on the Lions because we'll talk Niners next week because obviously they're still alive. Regardless of how this ended, and we can question Dan Campbell all we want, amazing season. They hadn't won a playoff game in 30-something years. I don't know how long the actual uh, drought was. 90s. The 90s. So, I think yeah. 91 was the last time. So a little over 30 years to get back to this, this point and – Look like they have a really strong foundation. Like a lot of their rookies really stepped up this year. Um, you know, you have Laporta, you have Gibbs, some other guys. Uh, they have a good foundation. Their GM seems to be really good at drafting guys, and they might have a might have a quarterback. I don't think we're going to think of Goff as an elite quarterback, but I think in this game against the 49ers, he looked pretty good. And especially that last drive where they they went down the field for a touchdown it was very impressive, mature, composed individual and. Uh, it's crazy to think that they have Goff now performing like he is, and they got two first-round picks tagged on with him to get rid of uh, Stafford. They're not going anywhere. And those that were like calling for Campbell's job because of his decision-making, shame on you, especially with what you know what they were able to accomplish. I think they were like 3-11-1 this first season. Then they were on the cusp of making the playoffs. I don't know if the math adds up for that one. Um, but they were on the cups, cusp of the playoffs last season, and we were like, they might break through this year, and they did. So his trajectory, or trajectory, I don't even know how to say it, progression is incredible. The, the NFC is so wide open when it comes to a team that like is the is the team to beat, that they'll, they'll be back. I wouldn't be surprised if they're fighting for the you know NFC Conference Championship again that, like, next year. We already know that the Eagles are going down. The Cowboys are the Cowboys, right? And 49ers are going to have to start paying people. So, like, it leaves it wide open with they may be the best team in the NFC next year. It's different when you got the target on your back than when you're hunting, though, right? And so they, they will be a team that everybody's going to be looking forward to on their schedule next year because of what they were able to accomplish this year. Yep. Shout out Niners. Shout out Kansas City Chiefs. Super excited for the Super Bowl. Going to have a lot to talk about in the next two weeks about that game. Let's close out the show with closing takes and uh, call it a show. The show is coming to an end. But first, it's time to get to anything we've missed. It's closing time. One segment, two takes. Closing takes. Chance for us to uh, go off script and talk about anything we want. Sports, pop culture. Um, I was going to go sports. I think I'm going to pivot really quick. Last minute. 
Uh, D. Did you see that? Elon Musk has implanted the first person with a Neuralink, Neuralink brain implant. It's a chip that goes on your brain, apparently, that's supposed to like be able to interact with objects like phones. Someone, some dumbass, probably one of those chain guys, let Elon Musk go into their skull and put a brain chip on them. Are you in on the brain chip? No. No. Hard out. There's not enough money in the world that will allow someone to take away my free will. Oh my goodness. Like, are people just not... Like, I, I get that, like, movies come out and people are like, oh, it's just a movie. But, like, we... I know the real life is an iRobots, but how how are we just gonna let someone put some type of some type of computer on our brain and expect there to be no negative no negative impact on your life? Like I'm good. You couldn't pay me a billion dollars. I'd be like, hey family, I know that I I mean I would just keep working this 40, 50 hour job. But I'm not letting someone put a microchip on my brain. Not a fucking chance. Like, what the hell is wrong with people, bro? Like, that's just stupid. This this man has blown, blown up so many rockets, and now he wants to put a chip in your brain. I'm pretty sure when they tested this thing out, they, like, killed, like, 17 monkeys, too. But people some, are weird, man. Some dumbass. Weird. You know it's the same type of person being like, I ain't taking that COVID vaccine. It's got microchips. My goodness. You know it's the same person. My other thing I wanted to just be like, shout out. Rookie of the year race getting hot. Victor Wembanyama jumped to the top of the board. He's that had boy, a crazy week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Past two weeks, I think he's averaging 23 and a half, 10 rebounds and four blocks. And poor Chet Yabetch is, uh, I think his last game had five points. Ooh, I didn't know that. Um, but did was Wemby a part of that like that random week where motherfuckers were going off for eighty points? Did he have like an explosive forty or fifty point game or anything he, like that? He didn't know. I think it was uh, Booker had some games. Luca, Cat, which was that was a, a disaster in itself. Uh, who am I missing? Embiid, obviously. Embiid went off for seventy. Yeah, crazy NBA week. Yeah, weird. I mean, I know we, you know this is just football now because of where we're at in the in the year. But it's gonna be cool to start talking some basketball. Um, you know, I I really wouldn't have anything else besides the Lakers absolutely suck, um, and a lot of teams aren't playing defense. Like I saw like five games where an offense not in overtime scored like 140 points. It's like this is ridiculous. Are you gonna, are you are you happy for maybe Dejounte Murray coming down? I hear the talks. Um, if it's involving just D'Lo, I don't mind it. Sucks that like I think they told him that he was gonna get traded. Um, because like he, there was a clip of him like looking like he was gonna cry on the bench, and like he's been balling. So like he's handling it the best way he can. He's actually scoring pretty well right now. Um, but the team, they just need a spark, and we all know, you know, the GM, he 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 can't miss the playoffs. So something's gonna happen. You know, that they're not gonna allow um, LeBron James and the Lakers to miss the playoffs. It's insane how good that dude is at 39 years old. Yeah, crazy. For him. All right, what you got for me? So I'm going to go off the Richter and hit this up with the emotional one just because it's it's tough. It's um it's something that was near and dear to Should me. Should I fade the music? Is it serious? Yeah, yeah you can. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's just serious enough where it's one of those like, let's just make sure that we take care of ourselves and make sure we say we love our, you know, our, our loved ones. 
Um, just want to remember, obviously, the crash of 2020, um, the Kobe Bryant crash, along with the, the other victims that were involved. Uh, John Altabelli, I may pronounce the names incorrectly, so I apologize on behalf of the fam, but I'm going to do my best. Carrie Altabelli, Alyssa Altabelli, uh, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, uh, Pilot, Aira Zoba uh, Zobavan, and then obviously the, the late and great Kobe Bryant, more importantly, Gianna Bryant. Um, this one was tough when it happened because at the time my wife was pregnant with my first daughter and there's nothing worse than thinking like what could potentially happen when you're not there anymore for your daughters. And I think we have to sometimes take a step back and realize like life is moving too fast. Let's just make sure that no matter what you got going on, you know, no matter how troublesome something might be, people have financial issues, people have a lot of stresses in life. Let's just make sure that we take care of our loved ones, take care of our kids, because it might be the last time that you walk out the door and you may not see them again. So it's not to end on a damper note or anything like that. It's just one of those like you just never know nowadays. So life is good. I always say it whenever we wrap up a show, take care of your chicken, take care of your children. Like this is one of those things. Um, I'll never forget the day that it happened. It's like one of those like 9-11 type things. Like everybody remembers where they were when when it happened. I'll, I'll never forget you know what I mean by that? Like, I just, you, you, I, I just don't think we can pick. We can compare no, no, Kobe no, no, Bryant's no. crash to no. 9/11. What I'm saying is, everybody remembers where they were when 9/11 happened. It's it had a great impact on everybody's lives. I remember I was at my uncle's house, saw the crashes on the news. It happened. I remember when this happened. It was me and the missus. She was on the couch, pregnant. We look at the cut. We look at the TV, and then Twitter goes crazy. Everybody's looking at the phones. Like this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. Like. It was just such a, an incredible like part of like history when it comes to like the way that I viewed obviously Kobe Bryant and being a father of, of three daughters at the time. So again, make sure you love your take care of your loved ones, give them a hug, say you love you, say you love them, just because you know life sucks at certain points. So let's just make sure we make the best of it. All right, way to show uh, end the show on a high note. It ain't about dampness, man. Spread awareness, man. I I just I know I'm it's fucking tough. It's you. tough. It's, that one that one was tough. I had I had to say something about it because well, it was a, it was a hard day for me. Since since it's been a tough day, I just want to let you know that I just checked the scores and your Lakers getting beat by like 15 by the Hawks. Uh 16. Get it right. Oh, uh, 107 123. So Yikes. D. All right, man. All right. You know I love y'all, but big RIP to those and for everybody that's listening. I appreciate you all being here. Please make sure that you can hit us up on our socials if you get the chance. Obviously, we have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. We have our website that's been scrolling at the bottom the entire site. Excuse me, the entire show. Uh, you can hit us up on the X or Twitter, whatever you guys want to call it, whatever is good for you. One day we may get an Instagram or a Tiki Taki, but that's on the producer if he's got time for it. Uh, last but not least, make sure y'all take care of y'all chicken. No, before I get to that, make sure y'all take care of y'all mentals, right? Make sure you guys definitely take care of y'all physicals. Take care of y'all chicken. Take care of y'all children. And we'll catch y'all on the rebound. Peace. Thank you.